radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. I can change a diaper with one hand. That's the fact, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. I love entertaining people. I'm strong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. So it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a ah! And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. saw the catch I heard about with the uh, women's fast-pitch softball, which I think we're going to compete in the Olympics. Is that right? I don't know. I'm not really into the Olympics right You're now. You're not? You're not into the nah. Olympics? Nah, just... Nah. Don't like America? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> fair <laughs> fair charge. <laughs> um, you got I, no, me. I just the whole Japan doesn't want it, and when is it anyway? And, and, uh, <laughs> it's in like 40 days. Sooner. Right. Too far away, I don't know. And then For, the, and, about 40 days. China's got and, the next one. and All sports are on somewhere all the time, and then the commie Chinese have the next one, and the Olympics are rigged. They're not rigged, they're corrupt. And I I'll, just, I'll I watch Simone Biles dominate the world. I'll probably watch sure. that. And uh, yeah. what else do we always watch during the Summer Olympics? We never miss. 100-meter dash. 100 meters big. First first time without Usain Bolt. Usain Bolt in quite a while. So Yeah, a lot of the track and field is pretty big. The swimming's huge. Right? We got no stars. There's been Michael Phelps, I don't think, is involved. We don't have Usain Bolt on the track. Stars until they're stars. Up and coming stars. Please. We'll need some of those. I like to watch the diving. That has a little splash. Huh? That was a big splash. No good. Big splash. Boom, you suck. (laughs) Boom, big splash. Boom, you just failure. did four and a half somersaults and seven twists, but you made a little ripple in the water. You saw <laughs> from like four stories in the air. Yeah, I would no have kidding. thrown up halfway down. Nobody, you talk about. We always talk about the <laughs> oh, events. That's, that's three tenths of a point deduction, Sean. If there's visible vomit, three tenths. We always talk about the events that the you know the average person would be the worst at. The average person <laughs> could not even jump feet first off the ten meter platform. I don't think so. Not, not even will. close. That's you'd 30. end up giving yourself an enormous enema That's if you did that. Thirty feet in the air. There's no. Most people would never, ever, ever, only at gunpoint jump off that thing, let alone do a dive. Well, they, you, uh, they couldn't make me climb up the ladder, much less leap down. <laughs> right? Didn't Jack have to climb down from the high dive? At- yeah, and that's a ten foot board. This is 30 feet. I can't even imagine how scary that would be up there. And we have now our average Joe competitor. He seems to, oh, nope, made it only halfway up the ladder. Still nobody <laughs> making it to the top. The Olympic officials are using the cattle prod, Jim. He's on his hands <laughs> and knees crawling back from the edge. And they're forcing him back to the front. This uh, We've never seen this, Jim. <laughs> Wow. wow. But I haven't heard any big stars' names other than Simone Biles. We don't yeah. got, yeah, I'm thinking of Flo Joe or Carl Lewis. I mean, names from way back. There was always like some giant names, Michael Phelps, as Sean mentioned. I, I got nothing. I got one name, Simone Biles. One. Yeah, maybe that's part of my problem. I don't, I don't know who I'm rooting for. American Meh. Joe. Well, okay. All right. Jiminy. Speaking of America, here's oh, is this, uh, is this fit for Wokeshevik's on the march, the uh, theme music? Probably not. It's just a little, little, uh, review of the great progressive experiments on, uh, California's, or I'm sorry, on America's West Coast. Uh, for instance, you got your Oakland Guarantee Income Program. You may have heard about this uh, a few weeks ago when it was announced that no white people would be allowed to apply. And interestingly enough, people found that discrimination specifically and exclusively by race to be somewhat racist. And so the people, the, the city fathers and mothers of, of Oakland 
having been alerted to the fact that it was patently, obviously, outrageously racist, dropped that requirement. The fact that somebody had to point it out to them is just a measure of how deluded some of these people are. But they're going to provide $500 a month cash payments with no strings attached for 18 months. And uh, they've selected one neighborhood that's going to be the, the, the pilot program. But I like this quote from Mayor Libby Schaff of Oakland. Poverty is not a personal failure. It is a policy failure. Ah, uh, no matter what, no matter what, what. If I'm, what if I'm an underachieving drunk and I popped three kids because I got no sense of uh, responsibility and hell, I'm not even pretending to raise them. I hit my baby mama's place now and again for a meal, but I'm doing nothing. Is that a policy failure? In what sense? Anyway, we'll see how that grand experiment in utopianism goes. Uh, the the big fight right now in San Francisco is over uh, portable toilets. At one point, the poop gate uh, crisis in San Francisco, where it became the poopiest city on the planet, uh, caused the uh, the uh, the city fathers and mothers to to put out a bunch of the big blue porta potties, like the nice ones with the attached sinks and stuff like that. Well, they, they, put out they start they start nice. How long do they yeah, stay well, nice? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but so uh, well, because no, of those the, ones they had at the RNC, those ones had everything but like a bathroom attendant in them. Yeah, so, those were super nice porta potties. But you know, we weren't all homeless people going in. <laughs> yeah, true that. Uh, so anyway, a bunch of the city council people said, "All right, we got to get these uh, porta potties off the street because they're causing people to settle near them. Tent cities pop up near them." But some of the activist, the progressive people are saying, "No, no, we need them out there. The human dignity demands that people be able to poop in private, not on the streets. And aren't you mad about the people pooping on the streets? You got to give them toilets." And so there's a big fight within the city council over whether you make it more hospitable and easy to be a junkie or less. I remember seeing a documentary once about the big, those big octagon toilet things that they had around San Francisco back in the day. Oh, uh, yeah, they were like imported from France or something. And, uh, you know, a bunch of people could fit in there. And, and they, they, it was a documentary and they'd have footage from in there and there'd be like 10 people just sitting in there doing drugs and drinking, hanging out. So uh, here, here's one of the main reasons I brought you this particular story. What do you suppose it costs to have one of those porta potties on a street in San Francisco for a year? I don't know. I got a gross porta potty at my house for it was like a hundred dollars a day. Yeah, and this one was well, gross. It, for some reason, <clears throat> and uh, and whoever's in charge of Los Angeles producing tiny rental units for five hundred thousand a pop will appreciate this. It costs for, uh, from just over one hundred thousand dollars to six hundred and thirty-two thousand dollars a year to staff and rent a toilet, depending on the kind of bathroom and how many hours it's open a day. One toilet. Yes. Yes. A toilet. Uno toilet dollars a day. How could that possibly be? The total price uh, tag for the program for toilets set up uh, for COVID relief was ten and a half million dollars. FEMA reimbursed two point five million of them. Evidently, uh, the uh, among the emergencies uh, that FEMA takes care of is I got to go now. It's an emergency. So from one hundred thousand to nearly six hundred and thirty-two thousand dollars a year to staff and rent a toilet. I, the, the, how much staff do you need in your toilet? I don't. 
I think that would be kind of off-putting. Uh, I think they mean cleaning it and that sort of thing. So, unbelievable. The homeless in, industrial complex. When I was in Moscow, they had the great public toilet situation, and they were all pay. I think that's the key to public toilets, is you gotta, you got to make them, you have to pay a little bit. That doesn't help the bums, but nothing is going to help with the bum situation. They don't care. But just for regular people, they'd be able to use the bathroom, and it was pretty cheap. I mean, you went in there, and it was basic. it was all cement floor. It was very clean, but it was basically just a hole in the cement. And then I got oh. to believe there was some sort of receptacle underneath that they changed regularly. I see parallels of that in, in online gaming, where if a gaming costs even a dollar yep. to get, I the level it. of toxicity in like the public general chat room areas is infinitely better than a free-to-play game. doesn't surprise me. I've been advocating for years. Back when I used to go to festivals all the time, the Asparagus Festival or the Bratwurst Festival or whatever, the ones that were free were disgusting. If they charged a dollar to get in, it was a whole different world in terms of the crowd. Yeah, isn't that something? It is. You something. sound li- a little bit like an elitist by charging a dollar. <laughs> yes, yes. What about poor people? Don't they have rights to eat asparagus <laughs> at a fair on a stick and listen to a cover band play "Taking Care of Business" and eat fried novelties? <laughs> and finally, our final stop in Seattle. Nobody saw this coming. The unintended consequences of rent control and eviction moratoriums. This is actually an editorial by somebody in the property management business. State and local lawmakers are creating a problem that they do not, or perhaps refuse to, understand. And that's the erosion of the single-family rental house supply. This editorial actually appeared in the Seattle Times, which gives me hope that uh, the great city of Seattle may return to at least some measure of sanity. In my more than 10 years of experience, never have I seen so many people searching for a new rental house because the one they live in now is being sold. The reality is not that the owners of these rental houses necessarily want to take advantage of the hot seller's market, and it is a trend among housing providers is that they are selling the rental houses due to policies handed down from state lawmakers and Seattle City Hall. I should be happy that this is precisely what we said would happen. And anybody who seriously has like a seventh grade understanding of economics can comprehend this. But they mention that especially among lower income families, um, the Section 8 voucher housing crowd, um, it places strict guidelines on location and bedroom count. And in my experience, writes this person, many voucher holding families uh, are of large enough size that a single family house with three plus bedrooms is their only viable option. Where are these families to turn when such houses are no longer offered as rentals? The typical two bedroom apartment does not work for them. And he goes into some detail, um, which Seattleites probably recognize, of how the utopian desire to make every unfortunate family uh, not only give them housing, but make it impossible to con- to evict them, uh, make it impossible for, for homeowners to sell if somebody was living there, there was an explosion in dumping rental properties. So now they have this incredible crisis uh, on the available of rental availability of rental properties. It's the world's least surprising crisis. It's just unbelievable. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. I'll always value Denny's, although in my mind they have had a decline in quality. If that has been turned around, 
then please somebody tell me I will correct myself. We had a bad experience at a Denny's in Arizona, and so my kids, when we drive by a Denny's, they say, we hate you, Denny's. They shake their fists still to this day because they were all excited we were going to go, and it must have been Christmas time because they were doing the pancakes where they'd, like, make a reindeer out of the pancake with, uh, like, some whipped cream and... Uh, oh, yeah. Holiday classic. You know, some strawberries and stuff like that. We never got our food because I've told this story because the the cook refused to cook. I don't know what happened <laughs> between him. We waited and waited and waited and my, waited. And my parents, grandma and grandpa, are very patient people, but I am not. And so I went up to the kitchen to try to figure out what the hell was going on as we'd been there forever. And uh, and I said to the waitress, we've been here a long time. What's going on? She said, he won't cook anything. And they get into an argument, and he was she's yelling at him. What are you doing? And he just has his back to her, like ignoring her on purpose. Hmm. Are you going to cook anything? And he just keeps pretending that he isn't here, looking at his watch. They had some sort of personal beef going where he wow. refused to cook anymore. And she, I'd kept... like to order the personal beef, please. <laughs> <laughs> at least there's some of that in the kitchen. <laughs> I would like, uh, I, I'd like a big slab of personal beef with some raw nerves on the side. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you cook the nerves, they lose all their vitamins. <laughs> People want the beef. He seems to be getting your goose, so if I could have some of that. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, ne- I, you know, I never stuck around to figure out what's going on because he clearly had decided to quit or something. I don't know if he was just mad at her at the restaurant, but he would not cook anything. And I went back to my parents and said, there's not going to be any food coming. We're going to have to, <laughs> we're going to have to go somewhere else. And so we left. There was never, there was not going to be any food. He had given, but the, to me, the funniest part was that she thought she was going to like shame him into cooking, I guess. As the just browbeat him into cooking. Yeah. Or, you know, I, it's, a, it's like your classic thing. You know, you see the, uh, you see your neighbor in the backyard eating the dog poop and you think, Hey, hey, Jim, that's bad for you. You know, that clearly you're past that point. He's too crazy to be communicated. Are you going to cook? There are customers wanting their food. He knows that. He's aware (laughs) that he's supposed to be cooking the food for the customers. He's angry about something different. Right, right. So yeah, the last the tickets yes. on the machine. <laughs> yes, yes. He's aware of the problem he's caused. That's a result he's of something else. In a kitchen wearing white and the funny hat. He knows he's a cook. She was so exasperated. What are you doing? He's ignoring <laughs> you. See what we what we've got to do is get to the why he's ignoring you. Yeah, the last time Judy and I went to a Denny's, and we grew up going to Denny's, and we liked Denny's, but the last time we went, the the bacon was the most spectacularly thin bacon I've ever seen in my life. It was two microns thick. You could read a book through it, and it was just yeah. not good, so we didn't go again. I, but I've, uh, had a, I've had Denny's experiences where the bacon was just a charcoal stick. I mean, how yeah. did you let it cook that long? But it will always have a warm place in my heart, because on the 24th? Yeah, what time of day was it? The 24th of November, 1994. Judy was very, very pregnant, and we were going to go out to Sonny's Barbecue in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm, that's some good barbecue. But she said, you know, my stomach's not great right now. Why don't we oh, go to Mrs. Denny's? Oh, Mrs. Pregnant Woman's going to decide where we eat, <laughs> is what you said. Oh, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> not that I recall. I said, yes, my sweetheart, anywhere you would like, my sure. princess. And so we uh, we ended up at Denny's. In the pouring rain, uh, I think she had moons over my hammy, uh, which was her regular order at the time. Uh, and then we, we went home in a horrendous thunderstorm, and later that night headed for the hospital, and uh, little Declan was born the next morning. 
grand display. Yes. He is like a little baby. We have he was very much like one, yes. <laughs> we have the same relationship with Wendy's both times. Uh, mm. Seemed to bring the kids around with stopping at a Wendy's. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had something else I was going to say about the uh, going, to Win- uh, going to Wendy's. Babies, Judy, rainstorms, the Denny's, Putin. eating at the Denny's, the bacon, Temper like tantrums, a, bacon. Oh, I, I, I don't eat out as near as much as I used to. But back, like when I could eat out as much as I wanted and eat whatever I wanted, um, I became very aware that if you're willing to spend an extra two dollars oh, yeah. on your breakfast, you go into a whole nother orbit of quality. <laughs> and and I just don't understand why more people don't do that. It's similar to me with gas. I mean, if you're really, really pinching every single penny, and I don't mean nickel, penny, the amount it's going to cost you to fill up your tank of gas, because this one's two cents a gallon cheaper than that one, you get so much better service over there. Mm-hmm. You're going to spend an extra 50 cents to fill up your car. But over there, there aren't bums there. It's clean. The uh, the wiper, the things where you wash off your window are full of fluid. There's paper towels. The bathrooms are cleaner. You get all that for 50 cents. It's similar with the, uh, the, 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 the breakfast. If you're willing to spend an extra two and a half dollars, the bacon, the eggs, the toast, everything goes up like 300 percent. Listen so to Rockefeller go. over here. I am Listen a, to the rich boy. This is white supremacy. The or Rockefeller who wants to spend eight dollars instead of six and a half. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. They're going to eliminate Latin and Greek at Princeton with the idea that more black kids will major in the classics. How condescending is that? Explain that in just a little bit. Wow. Wow. Boy, there's some strange things happening. So just to set up the dynamics of this for you, Loudoun County, Virginia, is in the D.C. metro area. And in the same way that, uh, you know, since uh, all the media is based in New York in the Beltway, anything that happens there is in, in New York is just everybody needs to hear about it. Well, everybody who works in Beltway media and government, the lobbyists, everybody, they all live in Fairfax County, Loudoun County, Virginia. I know this because my daughter lives there, and I've spent a fair amount of time there. And it is so super affluent it's just chock full of white people with advanced degrees who are desperate to show how enlightened they are there are you know master's degree in soch chicks with ponytails running around as thick as as, as mosquitoes on a minnesota summer night i they're, mean that their ponytails are the number of people their ponytails are thick no, no, no. You oh, misunderstand the, the population in oh, general. Yeah, that, that sentence was getting a little long. Anyway, <laughs> just to, just to paint a picture of where we're talking about. Let's go ahead and set the scene. Uh, a couple of interesting aspects of this. Number one, the, the debate in general, but you're going to hear in a few minutes from a mom who spoke in front of the school board who's going to blow you away. But this is a report, first of all, in clip 33 on what's going on. It's unfortunate that children are being used as a political cudgel. We have to get past the anger. Emotions ran high at a Loudoun County, Virginia school board meeting. More than 120 citizens showed up to speak, many alarmed by proposed changes to the classroom curriculum that critics call critical race theory. One concerned mother said her children are being intimidated 
and silenced. I have a 15-year-old daughter, and she can't say who she likes politically because she's called a racist. The school board was also accused of unfairly punishing gym teacher Tanner Cross, suspended for speaking out against proposed changes for dealing with transgender students. A parent supporting LGBT rights fired back at critics of the curriculum. Stop projecting your fear on our children. This isn't about bathrooms or white discrimination. Hate speech is not free. Stop turning equality into a weapon. A school board member noted this county schools are now in the national spotlight. The entire country is watching us. I hadn't even heard the term critical race theory until last fall. These controversies are tearing this county apart and I, we need to find a way to, to get that to stop. Now, understand, if you disagree with anything these people say, that makes you a racist. Yeah, I was disappointed to see Barack Obama in his interview with Anderson Cooper the other day. It seemed pretty clear he doesn't actually know what critical race theory is. And I realize critical race theory is pretty new on the map for most people. And and, and was very obscure in, like, way leftist academia. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at first blush, especially if it's dis- dis- described to you by somebody who's not being honest about it, why, why would we be against, oh, so you want to eliminate r- talking about race in schools? No, no, no. We want to eliminate the idea of white people are by their nature, by birth, racists and oppressors, and teaching that to little kids so that white kids grow up believing they're, they're bad just from birth, and black kids growing up thinking that the white kid in the classroom is out to ruin them. And, and they have no chance in life in the current system. It's so awful all the way around. Yeah. The, the Constitution's racist. The Declaration of Independence is racist. The country is racist. And if you disagree with them, you're a racist. So anyway, into that scenario comes a, a woman, a Virginia mom, who actually endured Mao Zedong's country, cultural revolution in China. And this is a comparison we've made many times. There are dynamics that are very Similar, You know, one of the reasons you study history, it's like a football coach. You, you, the idea is if you can identify certain alignments and personnel packages, you know what's going to happen. Well, this stuff that's happening with critical race theory, the way you're shamed and dragged out and forced to apologize and branded as a racist, it's straight out of Mao's playbook. It's easily recognizable. Anyway, here's a mom who survived Mao's China testifying to the school board. I've, I've been very alarmed about what's going on in our school. You are now teaching, training our children to be social justice warriors and to loathe our country and our history. Uh, growing up in Mao's China, all this seemed very familiar. The uh, communist regime used the same critical theory to divide people. The only difference is they use class instead of race. During the Cultural Revolution, I witnessed students and teachers again turn against each other. We changed school names to be politically correct. Um, we were taught to denounce our heritage. The Red Guards destroy anything that is not communist. Old uh, statues, books, and anything else. <clears throat> we are also encouraged to report on each other, just like the uh, Student Equity Ambassador Program and the Bias Reporting System. This is indeed the American version of the Chinese communist, the Chinese Cultural Revolution. The critical race theory has its roots in cultural Marxism. It should have no place in our schools. Boy, if you're, if you're not going to listen to her, who are you going to listen to? Wow, she said a lot more, too. I, I, uh, I wonder if we can find some more tape of her. Um, I'm going to jump into the written version of the story. Uh, 
in which she said several other important things. Um, it, the Cultural Revolution began when she was six years old, she said, and immediately pitted students and teachers against one another by hanging big posters in the hallway and cafeterias where students could write criticisms against anyone deemed ideologically impure. That was, uh, she was describing that whole, uh, what was the, the, the system? Struggle sessions? Well, no, but, but the lady just said there's, uh, the, uh, complaint system mm. that exists and you can report somebody for not being anti-racist. And she says it's the same. She says one of our teachers was considered bourgeoisie because she liked to wear pretty clothes. So the students attacked her and spit on her. She was covered with spit, and pretty soon it became violence. To me and to a lot of Chinese, Chinese, it is heartbreaking that we escaped communism, and now we experience communism here. Communist squads would raid ho- raids. I'm sorry, raid homes, destroy any relics of China's past culture. Hello, sound familiar? Uh, everything that was considered old, feudalist, a vase, Buddhas, everything was taken out and smashed. There were thought crimes, too. We were asked to report if we hear anything about someone saying anything showing there's any lack of complete loyalty to Mao. There were people reporting their parents, and their parents ended up in jail. She finally escaped at age 26, traveling to the U.S., where she found freedoms she'd only dreamed of. Um... In the current cultural and political climate in the U.S., however, she said she feels some of that freedom eroding. I can't really just say what I mean, even though the other side can say whatever. To me and a lot of Chinese, it is heartbreaking that we escape communism. Now we face this now. The, the idea that you don't dare say what you believe, otherwise you will be ruined. The communist regime used the same critical theory to divide people. The only difference is they use class instead of race. That's interesting stuff and scary. Scary AF. Yeah, well, and just one more note. Um, a writer I like says, I caught a glimpse of Ibram X. Kendi's recent appearance at the Aspen Ideas Festival, the annual woke, oxygen-deprived hodge for left media elites. He was asked to define racism, something you'd think he'd have thought a bit about. This was his response, quote, Racism is a collection of racist policies that lead to racial inequity that are substantiated by racist ideas. He does this a lot. He repeats Yoda-style formulae. There is no such thing as a non-racist or race-neutral policy. If discrimination is creating equity, then it is anti-racist. If discrimination is creating inequity, then it is racist. He suggests deploy anti-racist power to compel or drive from the power the unsympathetic racist policymakers in order to institute the anti-racist policy. In, in other words, you can't argue about against that because it doesn't make any sense. It's just a bunch of jargon strung together. But if you dare say, whoa, 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 that doesn't sound like something we ought to be teaching our kids, you're automatically a racist. That is critical race theory. Fight it. All this stuff is too uh, too heavy. I should uh, spend more time on headlines like this. Marie Osmond slips into skinny jeans after shedding 50 pounds. It's got to be a, a proud moment for that lovely gal. Is she a Nutrisystem? Is that what she is? Or Weight Watchers? Yeah, I believe Nutrisystem. She's one of those. She's a celebrity uh, from way back in the day, if you're too young to remember. But uh, does she gain 50, 60 pounds? Every year, so she can lose it again to slip into her skinny jeans to promote her. That's the way she gets her uh, contract renewed. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's got to be hard on your body to gain all that weight and then lose it again to get into your tight jeans for a while. 
Well, it's fun on the way up. It's rough on the way down. All right, I can beat that. How about national exotic dancer shortage forces New Orleans strip club to offer signing bonuses? <laughs> national exotic dancer shortage. Hilarious. Uh, one more thing on the craziness of America. We'll hit you this segment. Um, revisiting classics at Princeton. John McCorder, who we really like, wrote a big, long substack about this. The long and short of it is that Princeton has decided that to get black kids into the classics, they're going to get rid of learning Latin and Greek, which is, is condescending. It, you know, it's that uh, the soft bigotry of low expectations to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some belief, I guess, because Latin and Greek were kind of white European, so it's white, so we don't want to do that anyway. Uh, somebody re- responded to that tweet with, the tacit idea is people guilty about their white privilege saying over a Zoom meeting, because the Zoom meeting was available where they had this conversation at Princeton where they decided this. If we want to have more black students, we can't be making people learn Greek and Latin anymore. And this person says, see how that reads when you're exposed to the sunlight in print? She just took the quote from a Zoom wow. meeting. Wow, Isn't that something? To somebody said out loud, an academic at Princeton, you know, it is so straight out of the Marxist playbook. You have to create in people's minds divisions because they don't see them. They don't feel them. You have to preach to them over and over and over again that they are not like you and they hate you and they're evil. It's only by creating those divisions that you can get people into ideological pens and control them. And so the idea that the Greeks and Latin, uh, you know, the the languages and the history and the rest of it, that's not human history. That's white history. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. It's ah! so one more thing. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty. One more thing. You couldn't see because you're, this is radio or your phone or however you listen to your podcast, I guess. Um, but I had my hands in the air like I was riding a roller coaster. Yeah. We got into discussion during the radio show about uh, amusement parks, roller coasters. I guess it was on the idea that um, Lucasfilms is uh, going to have their VR Star Wars thing ready to go at the theme park, which sounds really awesome. Oh, yeah. I wonder how many ride rides there are going to be in the future. It's just going to be a bunch of rooms with various temperatures and things to help amplify the virtual reality that you're in sure in movement too right yeah right and be uh it'll be something i think i think it'll be fantastic and that stuff i might actually do i don't know what happens to the human body that you no longer can tolerate the motion stuff mm-hmm. but it clearly happens um and i i lost my through age you mean yeah through yeah. age uh well some people never have it you know mm-hmm. Um, some people always get like car sick or, you know, they can't ride roller coasters. I could never really do roller coasters, big roller coasters. Did you ride the one at uh, Legoland? That's kind of small to medium ish. Uh, that was the first roller coaster I ever really enjoyed. It was just fast enough (laughs) and all the, you know, I like a big, fast, scary roller coaster. Yeah. But can you guys do the spinning rides? Those make me sick. No, I can't do anything that spins at all. Not since I was about 30. Um, but you, you mentioned on the show that you didn't r- start riding roller coaster until you were older. Yeah. Like Sean, uh, middle yeah. of high school. Yeah. 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 Around that time. 
um, mentioned it to my friends just kind of offhandedly, and they said, hey, we're going to Great America this weekend then, and we're going to get you on there, and they just kind of, you know, force-fed me roller coasters, and I had a great time because I was, of course, you know, high school age with friends in yeah. an amusement park. How sure, could yeah. I not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, really became a big fan of my friends were so familiar with the rides that they knew where the picture-taking would be on each one. Oh, yeah. So doing the thing where you... <sighs> Fall asleep on the, you're, you're sleeping on the roller coaster for the oh. picture. That's what, like, we would we flash would, a boob. <laughs> me? No, no, I did not. Um, uh, others, who knows? It's crazy times. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, I, I found that quite amusing. When I was a kid, everybody knew, or all, all my friends knew where the fastest roller coaster in America was. And then, like, if a new one came along, everybody knew that. Like, uh. the, the one at Six Flags in Texas was went sixty miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, or, uh, you it's know, the sort of a, thing you know. It was a really big deal. Yeah. But now, uh, like I mentioned in the radio show, I, I feel like they've crossed a line into because mechanics are better, or I don't know, whatever. They just the they they can make them so freaking terrifying. I don't understand what the point is. I guess other people Thrills. have. I guess when you're younger, you have a different limit that needs to be pushed. Well, but. it's the classic, you know, f- escalation, right? You, when you first are trying something, uh, bad example. But when you get used to the roller coasters that exist, if you are a roller coaster enthusiast and you and you have a seasonal pass and you go every year, you at some point the rides need to go more to keep you interested. Part of it is mental because. Um, you, you, uh, you overcome the fear by writing something a couple of times, logically understanding that, well, this is mechanically sound. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people ride this a day. Nobody gets hurt. And then you're able to kind of deal with the fear. So it's got to get more frightening, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I rode one, the first serious roller coaster I rode in high school was at Worlds of Fun in Kansas City. And I wasn't big enough for it apparently i was tall enough to reach the line that they let me ride but this metal thing that came down over your head that was supposed to tech oh. you i was too short for it so oh. my head just banged around oh. inside it that explains a lot and as that that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, does and as that thing went around i was just slamming my head against those bars it was one of the most oh. scary and painful things i've ever done and i didn't want to tell anybody that uh, was a thrill <laughs> i certainly didn't want to tell my friends oh that hurt i want to go home but i i didn't want to ride that thing and i was horrified for a long time anytime i was going to ride a roller coaster there was going to be another one like that oh boy where it was just painful oh man <laughs> well in, it was wasn't it in kansas city where that poor kid got decapitated yes oh, a 10 yeah. year old yeah oh yeah yikes oh you know it's funny you should say that because i was just gonna say one of the first times i ever rode a horse the horse decided to go over there. Unfortunately, over there was under a tree. <laughs> and and I got battered and scraped and 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 whipped by the branches. Ah! Bent backward over the saddle as a kid. And I thought, I don't want to ride another friggin' horse as long as I live. Horses are awesome as long as they listen. But my head remained attached, thank God. I had another thing on a roller coaster I wanted to bring up. I don't remember what it was. Uh, riding a roller coaster, going really fast. Spinny ones I never did. I didn't no. enjoy those. The, the free fall ones, the ones that are, hey, we'll, we'll just oh, take you up boy. in an elevator, and then you fall 19 stories. I Nope, no, not interested in those ones. Yeah. But I, most of the other ones I enjoyed. I had a weird... Thing I wouldn't go on wooden roller coasters because like when was the last time that wood was updated? <laughs> yeah, I guess in the I guess the appeal of wooden roller coasters is they have some give to them. Some, yeah, <gasps> that's an appeal you yeah. say. That's huh. that's why that's why it, it matters. Um, did you ever ride the thing at the Stratosphere in Vegas that shoots you straight up in the air? No, that was one of the scariest no, things no. I ever did. Yeah, 
Brr. way at the top of that building. I mean, just being up there, just just like looking out over the railing is pretty terrifying. But you sit in a seat and it shoots you way up in the air and then you <laughs> fall back down. It's one of those gravity things. Right. Yeah. Woo-wee. That's, that's a... No, not in a million years. And I... Not to get out of a 10-year prison term. <laughs> I'd say, where's my cell? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Is there any sort of thing like that that I need at this point in my life? I don't think so. I you just know, don't need it. Instead of instead of spending millions of dollars to you know make them faster and twistier and scarier, just have people like randomly burned by a curling iron once in a while, or, <laughs> or stabbed, not like to death, but just a little bit, bitten by a vicious dog. Right, exactly. That now that puts the thrill back in it. You're riding down. You're used to the hill, but then suddenly there's a pit bull biting you. I always That'd end up in the same place when this conversation comes up and somebody asks something about what would be scary for me. I always say the IRS. Yeah. Calling on the phone. That's, that's really <laughs> yeah. my idea of a thrill I'm trying yeah, to avoid. Yeah, no kidding. We've noticed some interesting discrepancies. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Adult amusement parks are just various meetings that you have to go to. Oh, yeah. and like The <laughs> HR meeting. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I really felt alive there for a second. Yeah, it was so real. <laughs> oh. It was very scary. Really felt the dread. They oh. said my password didn't work, and I needed to figure it out. Ah! Ride the woman you think is hot for you who turns out to be a hooker, but wait, no, she's actually a cop ride. <laughs> I hate that ride. <laughs> Talk about a roller coaster. <laughs> Hilarious. Armstrong and Getty.